Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. I want you, if you will, please, to turn with me in your your Bibles to. Let's um, go to First Samuel chapter eight. We're finishing out this year by going over what we believe the Lord shared with us at the beginning of the year and at the end of 2018 as well for 2019, which uh, he gave us some things to declare and to speak. Of course, we are knowing and learning and understanding that it is important to declare God's word and to speak what he says and to be agreement in agreement with him, which is why we need to know the blessing that he has spoken in this word. Every one of us goes through challenges, tests and trials, but we don't ever want to be the people who magnify the test and the trial. We want to magnify the word. And so as we magnify the word and we stay in agreement with the Lord and with the father, then we give him the opportunity to work strong in our lives as we speak his word. One of the things that we all have to learn is that God is never, ever going to change. And uh, <laughs> it's like he's not going to change. He said, I'm the Lord. I change not. And so we got to get on the same page with him and work on staying on that page. Amen. All right. And then we um, we also uh, the word for this year was is that um, is the year of our IRA, our individual responsibility and accountability. And we've learned some things about that. And we're finishing out this year with some stuff that is uh, very, very, very interesting. We're looking at who God says we are as well in the spirit, as well as on this land. So I want to look at first Samuel eight. Let's begin there this morning. In some ways, this will be a summation, (laughs) at least for the time being, of some things we've been looking at over the past couple of years, probably a little bit more than that. The first Kings chapter eight, First Kings, First Samuel chapter eight. I'm turning and I'm looking at First Kings, and I didn't. I apologize. First Samuel eight, beginning with verse one. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said to him, Behold, you're old, your sons walk not in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken to the voice or listen to the voice of all that they of the people and all that they say unto you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign, that I should not reign over them. I find it interesting that God would say something like this. And in our minds, we really have to make some adjustments as we learn to live out the rest of our lives. God desires to be king in our lives. And he never, ever, ever intended for us to have to have earthly kings. I know that may be a challenging concept for people to understand 
And especially, you know, all of us here, we've been brought up. We, we were born somewhere in the 1900s or the 2000s. And in that period of time, we have been told and taught and we've had it jammed into us that we have to have government. We have to have people over us. And in some ways, it, government is a necessity. But the way that God designed things was that we were supposed to be self-governed. We were supposed to live according to the things that he put out in, from his word. And every man, every woman, every boy, every girl born on this land Born in planet Earth was supposed to know what God's law was so that he would be the one who would be king over our lives and we would be responsible for the domain or the dominion that he gave to each of us, our families, so on and so forth. But we never were meant to have to have kings or earthly rulers to rule over us. There is a place for that, but it's not for that purpose. And we have to understand that. There are a lot of things, as we've been talking over these past several years, there are a lot of things that we're going to be seeing and hearing that we're going to have to make adjustments because there's stuff that we haven't known, then there are things that we have known, I put it in quotation marks, that have looked one way, and they're not really the way they looked. So we got, I, I want to keep that in our ears as long as we are in this earth, as long as you're a part of covenant love, and as long as you are under the sound of this voice that God gives you to listen to, you're going to have to keep that in your ears. That's going to be very, very important. Yeah. All right, so let's keep reading. According to all their works, God said, which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even until this day. Wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now, therefore, listen to their voice. Howbeit, yet protest solemnly to them and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. Now, this is one of the reasons why God did not want men to rule over men, because when men, especially when they don't know God, they are not ruling for the purpose of establishing justice and righteousness, they are looking to pad their own pockets and their own selves to serve themselves at the expense of other people. And God never planned that for anybody. So now he says, I want, I want you to show them the manner of the king that's going to reign over them. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He'll take your sons and appoint them for himself for his chariots and to be his horsemen and some shall run before his chariots and he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. Now, notice there are things that God wants everybody to have of their own. Right. I said of their own. Right. And he doesn't mean for us to have them and the government to take them. No. Other kings and rulers to take them. Because he gave them to, there is so much on this planet, there is more than enough for everybody to have more than they need over and above and be able to help anybody. Amen. But somehow, things are just not tweaked that way. That's right. And one of the reasons why is because 
of, of evil people ruling over other people and taking their stuff. He goes on, he says, he'll take the tenth of your seed and your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. In other words, he's not going to care about you tithing. He ain't going to care about that. Did you hear what I said? He said he'll take the tenth. As as far as I've looked in the Bible and what I've seen, that tenth belongs to the Lord. But he'll take it and not care a bit about it. Interesting. He will take your men servants and your maid servants and your godliest young, goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and you shall be his servants and you shall cry out in that day because of your king, which you shall have <laughs> chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, nay, but we will have a king over us that we may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now, look at that verse right there. That is so important. Now, these people wanted to be like the other nations. And one of the things about this that we see right here, and one of the reasons that they wanted a king is because they did not want to be responsible for themselves. Amen. You see that? Yes. We want you to fight our battles, do everything for us. And boy, when, when, people, when men open themselves up to other men like that, that is just a, a carte blanche to be taken advantage of. This is exactly what happened. God said, I'm going to show you what's going to happen. Because if a king or ruler is not after my own heart, this is what you're going to deal with. All right, let's finish this. He said, Samuel heard all the words, verse 21, of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the to the man of Israel, go you every man to his city. Now, we know the outcome of that. We know Israel's history. We know what happened to them and all the different kings that reigned over them. We had very few kings. When you read through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, you read the history of Israel, they had very few good kings. So we see the result of that. Now, I want to bring this up to, to speed here where we are today because we, we have to realize that we're in the midst of a serious conflict. Now, as Christian people, we have a tendency, many have a tendency to overlook what's going on in the world and on the land and disconnect that from the kingdom of God. This is one of the reasons why I don't take a whole lot of time to really talk about certain things that have to do with end time eschatology. Not that I don't believe certain things or that I don't believe certain things should be talked about. But I believe that on purpose, there has been a, a mindset that has been delivered to the church. There are things that have been spoken to us to, to try and make us believe in a particular way that will cause us to put our authority to the side and always be looking for some pie in the sky. See, we'll be looking to get out of here rather than meeting the challenges of life and advancing the kingdom of God while we're in the earth. As an example, the way that most of the church, and I'm not talking about y'all, most of the church as a whole, the way that most of the church talks about their living is always in the light of tests and trials. Have you ever listened? Yeah. 
been in testimony services all. I mean, we've been in churches all over. This. Many of us have been in a number of different churches. We've listened to people in meetings. We've listened to people on TV testify. And so much of it has to do with testings and trials. And a lot of it has to do, you know, one of these days it's going to be all over and we're going to be out of here. We'll be with the Lord in the sky and all that by and by. And, you know, and that's wonderful. You know, that time is coming. But we're not here to be looking for a hole in the sky. You know, I went over real big. We're here to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And if we do what God tells us to do, all that other stuff is going to take care of itself. But we got to put things first things first. And as the church, we've been set here as representatives of heaven and of the most high God, and as God tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, that we are supposed to be demonstrating the wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. Well, how are we going to demonstrate that power and we're trying to get out of here because life is so rough? What we're supposed to be doing is demonstrating that power in the midst of all that difficulty, test and trial and bringing glory to God because we pushed through them and changed some things in our lives and demonstrated that God is real and that his word is real. And we came out on top. Yes, hallelujah. Not that we beat down and want to get out of here. We're going to have our time to party in the glory of God in another realm. But now is the time that we've got to, 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 to hold on to the, the calling and the mandate that God has on our lives to live victoriously and demonstrate the defeat of every satanic principality and power. And we can't do that if our focus is on getting out of here. Now, I know to some people that's a challenge. And one of the reasons it's a challenge is because we've heard so much about the, the all the by and by and not enough about the authority and the dominion we're supposed to have in the earth. So we're tweaking and adjusting our thinking. Hallelujah. There's a serious conflict in the universe. It is the domain of light versus the domain of darkness. And with, with mankind as the center attraction, we be right in the middle of what's going on. Of the, we're in the middle of the conflict. And as we've talked about in days past in this church, mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation. We have been given what God has himself and we have been given his dominion, his authority, his life, his nature. We've been given his glory, everything that he had within himself and everything that he had to demonstrate to anybody who would look at him. He gave that to us. And so we have to be constantly, we have to constantly remind ourselves yes. of who God says we are yes. and why we're here. Yes. It's got to be constant. We've got to keep, if we don't keep that before our eyes, it will get away from us. It'll leak out of us like milk leaking out of a, a, a container that's got a little hole in it. We've got to keep reminding ourselves of these things. And the way that life, natural life is structured on this planet, it becomes very easy to lose sight of that because of being sense-ruled and sense-minded. Becomes very easy. So we've got to remind ourselves while we're here. We've got to remind ourselves that we're in the midst of a conflict. And like Colossians 1, 9 through 11 says that God is what? He's delivered us from the authority of darkness 
And he's translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the remission of our sins. We, you know, he's delivered us from the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we read Colossians 1, 9 through 14. That's what's there. So we would, we're in the middle of this conflict. Now, believers are supposed to be very, very conscious and aware of this. Some sinners are, especially the ones that have been, had the Lord delivered to them and they're running from God. They know a little bit about it. But believers are really supposed to know what's going on and that what's going on on planet Earth and in our land is not, they're not just political affairs. They're things that have to do with, the, with, with kingdoms. Kingdoms. Satan wants more than anything direct worship. He can't have it from most people. So what he'll do is attempt to get into those in authority and rule and govern through them and attempt to oppress people through those who are in authority. He wants to be worshipped and adored. He, there, are, there are some people who are foolish enough to do it, but most men and most women won't do that. You haven't noticed that people that don't even know God, if they hear about the devil and, and about worshipping the devil, they, they'll run from the devil. Because they're scared of the devil. They'll run. But there's a handful of folks who will give their total allegiance to Lucifer. Listen, for the believer and mankind in general, the most important issue is that of knowing who one is, both in the spirit realm and on America. From the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, when we read from verses 26 to 28, And it tells us that God made man in his own image, in his own likeness. And then he said what? Let them have dominion. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and read that scripture. Let's turn to Genesis 1. When we have doubts and challenges about things and knowledge doesn't seem clear, one of the things that is good is to always go back to the beginnings. Go back to the root. Go back to the foundation of a thing. And I'll tell you, it'll be very, very hard to be led astray if you do that. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And look at what he said. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and put yourself under kings and rulers and let them have dominion Oh, it doesn't read like that, does it? My bad. Let's read that and get it right. And subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every creeping thing, every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, behold, I may give you everything, so on and so forth. All right. Verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Say have dominion, please. You know what have dominion means, right? It's to dominate. Okay, but now notice when he spoke to the first man and the first woman, he didn't say anything to them about dominating one another. He said dominate the creation. 
Subdue it. Bring everything into subjection. Anything in creation that, that, that attempts to get out of line, bring it into subjection. But we're never, we're not created to rule and dominate over each other. Never was that God's intent. Never, ever, ever. Now, we can see here also, as we read carefully, we read chapter 2, man was made to govern himself. Boy. He gave us his law. He gave us his word. He gave us things to live by. And what we were supposed to do is to embrace what he said and how he told us to live. Embrace it and be responsible to live the way he told us to live. In all honesty, that's what the Ten Commandments were about. And you'll notice the way that they are divided up. You have one part of it that tells you how you're to be responsible towards God, your creator. And then the other part that tells us how we're supposed to be our duty to our fellow man. We're to love and serve God and not overstep what belongs to somebody else. That's what's called common law. That's what's called the law of God. That's what's called. That's real law. And it was made for every man so that we would honor God and we would honor each other. Boy, life would be so simple for men to realize that. That I'm to honor God and I'm to honor the men and women around me. Stuff that belongs to them, I don't take their stuff. I don't abuse them. I don't rule over them. So we were God initially meant for us to be self-governed. Yes. Now, I want to. Well, let me say this, because this is this is something we need to keep in mind, too. And that is that God gave man sovereignty in the earth. Somebody, somebody might get a little bit, you know, a little sovereignty to hear that word sovereignty and connect it to man and think, well, hold up. I thought God was sovereign. Yeah, God is sovereign. But remember, he took of what he had himself. And he gave it to man and he told man, I want you to be sovereign in the earth. What do you think it means to have dominion and authority? Exactly. The the, the word sovereign itself is a word that means to have supreme power, dominion and authority. Supreme power, dominion. So God says, I'm conferring that on man for him to operate that way in the earth. See, folks, I'm telling you, even though we, 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 we hear these things, there is really a shift that has to take place in our thinking because most people don't think like this. See, in our domain, whatever it is that we have, if it's our home, our land, our field, our cars, whatever, we're supposed to dominate there. And we're supposed to make sure that life flows the way God means for it to flow in our realm of dominion. That's why God wants you to have your own house. He wants you to have your own land. He wants you to have your own stuff. He wants you to have your own food, your own gold, your own silver, your own vegetables or whatever you want. Whatever you want that's right, there's no problem with you having it because God meant for you to have it. And for it not to be under the control of somebody else other than your union with him. He's the only one that should have the right to tell you what to do with what's yours. And as long as we would stay within the confines and the framework of what he says, we'll be all right because we're not going to hurt anybody else. Right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
He didn't mean for the banks to own our stuff. He didn't mean for the governors to own our stuff. Never. Never. So now I want to read also, let's let's I want to read a portion of this document that we have called the Declaration of Independence. Right. Somebody said, this is church, Pastor. Yeah, I know it's church. And some of these things we need to do in church. Because right. <laughs> yeah, you might not get them anywhere else unless you search them out on your own. So anyway, um, and, and I want to read from the second paragraph. Some of these words will be familiar to some of us. But it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men. Can you say all men, please? All men. All men means what? All All men. men. And women are included in that. All right. All men are created equal that they have that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Notice life. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness are a they are God given rights. Not government given rights. They are God given rights. Life, freedom and the pursuit of happiness. That among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights. Listen to this carefully. That to secure these rights. Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Now, notice why governments were instituted to do what? To secure those rights. That's it. That's all. That's the only reason for government. We can go read back in the Bible. We can read back in. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I don't want to mislocate the scripture. But but in, in Deuteronomy, God even talked about what the heart of a king should be like. And then when he talked to the kings of Israel, he talked to them about how they should keep the law of God before their eyes. So that when it came time to have to make some kind of decision, they would make one that would support the God-given rights of the people being protected. They never were supposed to do stuff for themselves. All right. So now God knew that on the earth, everybody wasn't going to want to do the right thing. He knew that. And so if government was to be established... It was to be for the purpose of making sure that the rights of God-given rights of people were honored. That's why God gave these people judges. They wanted a king. He gave them judges. He said, now, you judges, what you need to do is to make sure that you judge justly and see to it that the widows, the poor, the afflicted, they're taken care of, and that nobody overreaches or defrauds somebody else. All right. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Are we looking at that in planet Earth right now? Does it look like that picture right now? Does it look like that in America? No. So I should be saying to myself, something wrong. 
And if I find out something's wrong, I should be looking for a way to see. All right. Now, now God, do you have an answer? Is you got an answer? <laughs> do you have an answer for this? And if I find out that he does have an answer, then I need to be finding out how do I associate myself with him? Lock up, lock up and lock in with him so that what his answer is for the issues can be solved, can be put into the ears, hearts, minds of men. And I can live it myself so that if anything, at least in my own life and in the lives that I start coming in contact with, well, the people concerned, I can start spreading out the kingdom of God. And not the kingdoms of this world. Now, what I'm saying here right now is what was something that was supposed to be a big part of Christianity. And somehow it got lost in the sauce. Over the last couple of hundred years plus on our land. All right. We're to this point where we were talking about the we are what we are individually responsible and accountable for. All right. Knowing who the father says we are in Christ and as what we found out, something is called a state citizen on American soil. This is important. There is always going to be some satanically inspired being individual. I don't care whether it's a demon or other men. They're going to try and tell you who you are. All right. And if we don't know who we are, first of all, spiritually, and then secondly, on this land. If we don't know, somebody else is going to be right there available to tell you and try and stamp on your forehead who you are. They're going to want to control your life. The devil wants to control you. And if you don't know who you are, he said, okay, I'll fix that for you. Let me give you a title. (laughs) I'm going to give you a title. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who you are, you fall for it. He said, might say, uh, you slave, you. If you don't know no better, then that's who you're going to identify with. He said, you low class, you. You don't know no better. That's what you're going to identify with. He said, you unrighteous thing, you. (laughs) You start crying. I want to be right with you. I'm like, I know I ain't right. Well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Who does God say you are? Okay, what you might think or what somebody else might say, if you're a Christian, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, period. So, but you don't know what I did. I ain't say nothing about what you did. I say about who you are. Now, take hold of who you are and let that change who you do, what you do, rather. Let that change what you do or what you did. And see, as a Christian, you always have provision anyway, because even if you did wrong and step outside of who you really are, that's what the blood is for. That's what the name is for. That's what Jesus's ministry in heaven before the father is for, to make sure and see to it that if you take advantage of that, that you can grow with, with unbroken fellowship. But your actions will never change who you are. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Never change who you are. Glory to God. So the more we focus on who we are, then that's the more that will help our actions change and our actions will come into line with who we are. That's why we need to to remember always to focus on the plus side of what God has done for us, the positive side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now 
We, we find out we, we are to be what's called a state citizen. Somebody said, what in the world? What are you talking about? Okay. This is important because we need to know what this was set up on this land for everybody to be free. And you notice something? We talk about being United States citizen, U.S. citizen. Did you know that that was something that did not exist back when this nation was formed? There was no such thing as a U.S. citizen. It's something that came, it was created and came along. And I'm going to share a little bit more about that today. All right. Now, we found out last week, we, we, we talked about the fact that God never meant for anybody to be the surety for anybody else's debt. All right. And we, met, we, we read a number of different scriptures. Surety or suretyship, according to Webster's 1828 dictionary, we have some definitions. I'll read over those again. It's the obligation of a person to answer for another and make good any debt or loss which may occur from another's delinquency. In law, one that is bound with and for another, one who enters into a bond or recognizance to answer for another's appearance in court or for the payment of a debt or for the performance of some act and who is in case of the principal debtor's failure is compelable to pay the debt or damages. To be sure, it is also to be the collateral for another's debt. So now, we, and I'm not going to read through these scriptures. We read through them last week. All these scriptures in the book of Proverbs, they're listed up there if you want to write them down and look at them. But we find out that God tells us to hate suretyship, not to be the surety, not to be the collateral, not to have to answer for anybody else's debt. Now, somebody said, what in the world has that got to do with anything? I ain't co-signed for nobody. So, Pastor, why you want to talk about it? Matter of fact, most of us in here have no, I mean, we got more sense than to co-sign for somebody's debt. Most of us. All of us, I pray. <laughs> you know, you maybe in the past you experienced it and you think you thought, you know what? Boy, I'm gonna tell you what, this light switch is on. I ain't never gonna do that again. Because the person I co-signed for, they checked out and they left me holding the debt. And because I co-signed, or because I became the surety, then I am the one that became responsible for that debt. Yeah. And you don't want that to happen to you. Never again. No more. Never given. Never ever again. And if you ever, haven't been there, don't go there. That's right. Get your $200, pass, go, and keep going. Don't, don't go there. All right. So now we, we, we said we did some questions that we need that need to be answered. Why is it that America and so many other nations of the world have such a problem with debt? Second, why is it such a challenge to get out of and stay out of debt? And thirdly, why are there wars and fightings amongst the nations at this present hour? Now, you know what? There are answers for all three of these questions. We are parked at this first one because this is important to us in what we're talking about. Why is it that Americans have such a problem with debt? And here's the answer. Because most of us were born into it. Somebody said, Pastor, what do you mean? I came into this earth. My parents ain't had no debts. I don't have any now. Well, are you sure? Because we started going over some history. And this is why history is important. We went back into the 1800s and found out what happened on this land 
when the, 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 these European bankers came over and, you know, got a hold of things and which really they were at it right from the beginning. Stuff started changing on, on this land right from the beginning. We read the Declaration of Independence. But when that, 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 that thing was solidified and, and before a constitution ever came out, they, the people had their hands in here wanting to get a hold of what was going on on this land and, and, and pervert it and make it fit their own personal gain right from the beginning. And it was a war right from the beginning. Just like in the Garden of Eden, after God spoke that over man, and then the woman was, was delivered to the man and they were together and that mandate, they, Adam spoke from God and said, all right, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh shall be called woman. And um, the two, we shall be one, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and, and the two shall be one. Right, right after that, here comes the serpent. Didn't take long. Didn't take long at all. And see, you, when you understand the principle in Mark 4 of the sower sowing the word, and when the word is sown, what happens? It's the first thing Jesus talked about. Satan comes immediately to take out the word which was sown. And that's what happened in the Garden of Eden, and that's what happened on this land. When that word of freedom was sown, for, when, when the sovereignty of the king of England was passed to the people, and that crown came off of his head and was put on the heads of the people on this immediately. Immediately. Here come the devil. And money is always the big, big issue. Do you don't think the Bible's true? The Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. It happened on this land just like anywhere else. And so we went through some history. We went through the Civil War. We went through, you know, 1871. We went through, you know, and really we started pushing towards that the Federal Reserve Act and all that happened there. I'm not going to go through all that. But we came up to 1933. Now, and if you don't know any of that history we talked about, you should you should get a hold of it because it's a backdrop to everything that we're looking at right now. Everything that happened back there in our history, it was a, a well-designed and formulated plan that Satan had not only for this nation, but for all the nations of the world. So anyway, we come to 1933. Now, remember, the answer to that question, why is it that Americans have such a problem with debt? Because most of us were born into it. All right. The depression of the late 1920s and the early 1930s created something that was called a national emergency. That depression was, some, was not some natural thing that happened. It was designed. And you're going to find out that most of the trash that happens that we hear about in the news and in other nations is designed. What you hear about going down on now in South America and Venezuela, places down there, it's designed. What you heard about going on in Syria, what you heard about going on in, in, in Iran, what you hear about going on in, in, in Hong Kong, North Korea, all this stuff is designed, folks. And this is why believers have to change the way that they think, because they just think that this is governmental stuff. Folks, the devil is after nations, yeah. and he's after a one-world order. That's right. That's what he's after, right. to where he controls everybody and everything. That's right. Which is why he sets up things in certain nations and he attempts to duplicate the same thing in other nations. 
Now, in 1933, the United States declared bankruptcy. Did you know that? That's, that's in history. The United States declared bankruptcy. You said, what? Yeah, declared bankruptcy. In other words, we can't pay our debt. Well, who did the United States have a debt to? You ever asked that question? They had a debt. And just like we do today, the United States Corporation Company has a debt to the Federal Reserve. That's right, because in 1913, Congress gave the right to print and coin our money over to the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve has nothing to do with America. And so they gave them the right to print and coin money and then <laughs> borrow it at interest. And so we, they printed it and we borrowed it, printed it, borrowed it, printed, borrowed, printed, borrowed, printed, borrowed. And while the printing and borrowing was going on, something that was very important to us was being messed over. You'll remember that we read from the Constitution that there wasn't supposed to be anything else that represented real money but gold and silver. Gold was the standard for America. Now, that's foreign to us on this live today because we don't see a whole lot of gold. You might have a little bit of wear around your neck or on your, your, your ankle or maybe around your wrist, maybe a watch, but you don't see a whole lot. You don't see people spending gold coins. You don't even see people spending silver coins anymore. Matter of fact, they become collector's items. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah. Come on, how many of you go into the store and you're buying stuff and you're pulling out dollar, dollar, dollar gold coins to pay for your stuff? Yeah, you know, but that's the way it used to be. Amen. How many of you pulling out silver dollars? Ben Franklin, you know, $50 silver coins. How many of you pulling out Kennedy half dollars that were before 1960, you know, 1964 back? How many of you, how many of you spend, you know, spending half dollars that are silver? Let me just ask you that. Mm, you find one of them, if you got sense, you're thinking, mm, I'm going to put this thing away. But that used to be what people spent. I remember as a little boy, there was so much silver going around. Wish I'd have kept more of it than I did. <laughs> Come on, y'all remember? You remember the way the, the chain sound when it hit the ground? And opposed to what it sounded like now, it's like, don't, clud, don't. Ain't nothing valuable in it. <laughs> okay, but see, here's what happened. When these cats came in, they started immediately working towards getting this nation and the people in it in debt and taking the gold and the silver. Now, here's what happened in 1933. This is so interesting. And folks, listen, don't just take my word. Just follow me. Just do, read up and, and, and follow me because you'll find out what I'm telling you is the truth. When, when FDR became president in 1933, it passed the Emergency Banking Act. And when that was passed, the American people officially were demanded to exchange their gold for Federal Reserve notes. Now, just get a hold of that. Think about that. They were told, you got to give up your gold. 
And if you have more than certain amount of gold, you are going to get fined and or put in prison. You will at least get fined. Thousands of dollars if you've got more than a certain amount of gold in your position. Now, hold it a minute. Just wait, wait, wait. Hold it. Let's just stop for a moment. This is important because how could somebody come along and do that when the standard of the, of the land was supposed to be gold and silver? How is a president going to come along and tell you you can't have any? It doesn't make sense. People don't think about this stuff. But if you go back and read those sections that I pointed out to you in and to read them in the Constitution and you see that yourself and then a president comes along and issues an emergency and says, OK, people, you can't have this anymore. You got to play with this paper. Take these Federal Reserve notes. Give us your gold. And that's exactly what happened. I'm going to give you a little quote that he, from him. This is from FDR. He said, be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled that the Congress hereby declares that a serious emergency exists and that it is imperatively necessary. Now, listen to this to put into effect remedies of uniform national application. Just get that uniform, natural, national application. Put into effect remedies of uniform national application. See, most of us in, in, in school were taught about the New Deal, but we weren't taught what the New Deal really was. They didn't tell us what the New Deal really was. The New Deal started out was you can't have no gold or silver. Why do you think they couldn't have any? Because probably most of it was gone. Because it was cats that were stealing it. Now, I have to ask you a question. Okay, or make a statement. Think about it, whichever way you want to think about it. With, bank, with, with bankruptcy being declared, and this, this nation, the United States couldn't pay its debt to the Federal Reserve, somebody still got to pay. Somebody still got to pay. Somebody still has to pay. <laughs> With bankruptcy having been declared, someone must be made the surety or the collateral for the debt to the Federal Reserve. This we got to get in people's mind. It's a debt to the Federal Reserve. That's what that debt is all about. That's what the debt today is all about. It's not the national debt. It's the debt to the Federal Reserve. On March 9th, 1933, through HJR, that means House Joint Resolution 192-10, and all these different things that happened in the 73rd Congress, and the Emergency Banking Act, America's gold standard was abrogated. Now, what does that mean? That means that they, were, they took America off of gold as the standard and replaced it with Federal Reserve notes. Still with me? All right. And the American people, now this is the thing that has been so tricky about what happened. The American people, their land, known as the American people, their land, money, businesses, offspring, etc., 
through these and various other acts. VIA, what's called the U.S. citizen, were made the surety, the collateral for the debt to the board of directors of the Federal Reserve. This is what happened. They couldn't pay. Gold's gone. Guess what's left? What's left? The people. What's left? Their land. What's left? Their offspring. So it's left. So the people. Flesh and blood became the surety for the debt. So you have a Congress and quote unquote leaders that started right there at that point and made the determination that they were going to sign everybody born on this land over to the Federal Reserve to be the surety for the debt. So hence the statement, most of us were born into it. It'll be a little bit clearer. This is important to catch. I know this is a lot. The creation of the fictitious person, that is the U.S. citizen. Let me stop there. Most of us, when we go to do different things and we sign different things, we, do, do you, have you ever noticed that there's a question that is, that is asked you, are you a U.S. citizen? Anybody recognize that? Okay, let me see your hand if you recognize that. Okay. Now, most of us paid no attention. I, pay, I paid no attention to it for decades of my life. Paid no attention to it. And one day I finally found out what it meant. It didn't mean I was an American. It meant I was answering to be actually, <laughs> well, I'm, I'll get to it. Let's the creation of the fictitious person. Notice we said fictitious person. You got to listen to this. That is the U.S. citizen. There's, and all these are going to be like synonymous. The office of the person, the employee of the United States. Remember, and you're going to have to dig back a little bit in some of the stuff we, we studied in days past. Remember, the United States is a federal corporation and it. All right, remember, it's a federal corporation, not a government. It's not a government, okay, a federal corporation. And it needs us to submit to being a subcorporation through agreeing to their contracts. See, and I didn't note it, but there's a court case. And this is why when, when things started moving on this land, moving forward, and when these people came into power in 1933 and really started speeding things up, one of the things that they did is they took a lot of the court cases that were used as precedent over the years and they just moved all that out of the way. And they came up with things like the universal uniform commercial code. They came up with other things that to be able to uh, make sure that what they wanted to pass as what we would call or think is law would be out there for people to live by. There was there was there's a law that said there's a, there were decisions that were made to let people know that a corporation could never do direct business with a living man. You have you, a corporation had to deal with a corporation. People had to deal with people. A corporation is not a living being. 
And so what what see, I'm going to tell you how 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 clever Satan is when it comes to wanting to enslave everybody. So he had these cats come up with a system. And the system was designed to make people in their minds a corporation. Because that's the only way they'd be able to get you stuff. And the way that that is made real and enforced to where they can is when we agree to being who they say we are. That's why I told you the most important thing in this whole wide universe is having an understanding of who you and I are or supposed to be. Identification means everything. So now. There are a number of, there are three important elements. There's, there's a lot of stuff, but I'm just going to give you three important elements here. There was something in 1935 that was called the Social Security Administration Act that was passed. Okay, it's one thing. Second thing, the creation of a registered organization, that is the birth certificate. <laughs> and then this third thing, adhesion contracts, which is basically licensing and people receiving government benefits. Now, these are three, three things that are so important for us to understand on this land. The Social Security Administrative Act. You, you notice that, that there was something that came into play where people were started to be given numbers. I remember growing up and we had to get a Social Security card in order to be able to work. Anybody remember that? Get your, I had, we, were, we had to, we, if we were going to get working papers, we had to get a Social Security card had no idea what we're doing, but I thought, oh boy, I'm 13 and I'm going to, when I get to 14, I'm going to fill them papers out and I'm going to be able to work legally. Not knowing that I'm taking something that they are putting on me for them to be able to identify me as something that I'm not really. That number is not really my number. It's assigned to me so they can treat me a certain way. Right. Secondly, the creation of registered organizations. That is something that's called a birth certificate. I don't know if anybody, you, you, you guys might be old enough to remember. Probably most of us in here are not. But you may remember when all, you know, birth records and all that kind of stuff, marriage and stuff, these things were kept in where? Where were they kept? In the church. They were church records. They were kept in the church. There wasn't any government. Organizing and then putting numbers on these things. But see, now this registered organization deal, and it, it, this, folk, this thing is really big. But anyway, the, the simplicity of it is that Anybody, when, they, when you're in a hospital and you, there's a record of your live birth, they call it a live born record. Right. Something happens when a child is born. I witnessed all three of my babies being born. I was right there. And you know, it's kind of interesting that what happened after that is that this brought in something for the mother to sign. It bypassed the daddy. But they have the mother sign, 
And if you look at it, and especially those, the, the most recent ones in the past several decades, you'll notice that on there, where the mother signs, she signs it as an informant. You can just read it. Just read it. I mean, this kind of stuff starts freaking people out because you never think about this stuff. But you know what an informant is? One of the definitions for an informant is somebody who turns somebody over to somebody else. That's right. See, if, if you, you hang out on the streets and you, you know, somebody, somebody's a snitch, you know, and they, 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 the cops come to them and say, all right, now, if, if you tell us who did this, we'll let you off. And so what do they do? They inform the authorities of who really did it. They turn them over. They turn them over. Well, you see, when mama signed that, and then nobody came along to say, oh, wait, 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 that baby belongs to me. What happened, and I don't remember how many days it is, but what happened is now the state becomes really, on paper, the state becomes the owner or the daddy, so to speak, of that child that was born. This is why it's so interesting to realize they bypass the father right there, right there in the hospital. Bypass him. He don't sign nothing. The mother signs as an informant. Shows you how much the respect the devil has for man. He's always wanted to circumvent man. What did he do in the Garden of Eden? What did he do in the Garden of Eden? Went right around the man. All kinds of light did come out, man. So now what happens, and once that happens, now there is a, your real record of live birth goes somewhere else, and it's printed up on banknote paper, and with a number on it, a number on it, a registration number on it, basically becomes used as collateral for other people to make money off of. But see, here's the deal. That, what we call a birth certificate, and I challenge you if you, have, if you, if you don't know what's been going on, I will challenge you. If you look at your birth certificate, you're going to see there's going to be a red number up there. And that's the number of you as what's called a registered organization. Now, just take this, I'm going to take this a step further, because you'll also realize that because of that, as you look at all the stuff that you deal with, you look at your driver's license, you look at your invoices, you look at what has to do with credit card, whatever you look at, you're going to notice that your name is in capital letters. You think that's an accident? Corporations are all dealt with. Their, their names are in capital letters. So that says, and this is what, this, now this is their design in order to be able to deal with you as some entity to be able to get and control you and your stuff, your children, whatever. All right? And folks, that's just the tip of the iceberg. The third thing, and this is the major thing that we have to learn on our land, adhesion contracts. You know what an adhesion contract is? 
It basically is a contract that benefits the one who put it out. That's, that's basically what it is. And so what this United States corporation does is they put out all these different contracts, and, and a lot of them have to do with licensing. And they will always, on anything that has to do with licensing, I'll get you just check it out. They're going to ask you, are a U.A.U.S. citizen? And when you say yes, you agree. Look at your driver's license. Look at your marriage license. I don't care what it is you look at. You look at it all, and you look at these things, and the way they're designed, the benefit is not for you. You get some government, quote unquote, government given privilege. Ah, right there, that's where it's at. Bop! Gotcha. I'm trying to make something very real complicated, simple enough for all of us to grab pieces of it and run with it and look at it, okay? So now, if you were to go back to this constitution that we call, talk about and make such a big deal about it, you're going to find out in one of the places that it talks about is contracts. And it tells people right in it that you have a right to contract with whoever you want to. And that contract law basically is the highest law on the land. Folks, that shouldn't be hard for us as Christians to understand. You know why? Because covenant is supposed to be the thing that we understand more than anything else. And so when we sign our name, what are we doing? We're contracting. We're making covenant. And that's where people get sucked into what's going on because we don't know how to read what we're signing and we don't know how to agree or not to agree with what we're signing. When we become what's called U.S. citizens, we become the surety for that debt to the Federal Reserve. That's the bottom line. There are people that have taken what we call this national debt and divided it up amongst the people that are alive. And it'd be crazy for you to understand how many thousands of dollars of debt is assigned to each U.S. citizen. It's something I just I would encourage everybody to start looking into and investigating these things if you haven't. Just look, do, do it, do it, do it, do it. So how do we free ourselves from being the surety? How do we do that? All right. This is important. First of all, we got to understand what state citizenship really is all about. And it's a process, and I'm going to, like I've done before, I'm going to point out some things to some people that you can go and look at things that they've written, talk to even some people. You can do it to find out whatever it is that needs to be found out. And, and, and I know there's one guy that we're working together now to get something together that everybody can look at and read and see the progression that needs to be taken, have the history right out there in front of them. I mean, this cat is doing something that is just out of here, but it's for the good of everybody to be able to get their hands on it. And we're working together to try and get that done, and especially to help God's people understand what's going on. We got to understand 
what our state citizenship is about and the undoing of all these contracts through which we were fraudulently made to be U.S. citizens. Contracts. What did we sign to agree? See, for instance, let me give you a for instance. All right. And I told you about what happened with this bank that I went to. All right. There are things on those these bank applications where they want to ask. They're going to ask you right out. And there's certain things in language that you need to look for. And one of the major things I want to ask you is, are you a U.S. citizen? Do you certify that you are you or something, you know, to that effect? And what you need to do is take a little line and draw through that or say, no, I'm not. Somebody said, well, I'm not a U.S. citizen. I just told you the little bit about it. This You don't want to agree to that. Because that's what puts us in that boat, is signing and agreeing to that. All right? So there's a way that all this stuff can be undone. I, there, listen, slide it up, because there's some, uh, there's some books that I'm going to refer you to, and I just would encourage you to read them. you got to read them. There's a book in t- by a guy named Brent Johnson. It's called The American Sovereign. You're not going to find it on Amazon. I'm just telling you right now, you're not going to find it there. You're going to have to. um, There's a website, freedomradio.us. You're going to have to go there because you're going to have to get it right from there. You're not going to the bookstore is not going to have it. You're not going to get a half price books unless somebody decided to sell it to half price books. The information that's in it, there are people that don't want you to know what's in there. And these cats are not going to put it out there for it to be messed up because it's some serious stuff. And if you want your hands on it, then you're going to have to go through a channel to get it. That's not maybe the easiest thing, but you can get it. Another thing is something There's a book called The Great American Adventure by Judge Dale. You can find that. As a matter of fact, there presently there is a PDF online right now where you can check it out. And this is a retired judge. And um, this is really not his name. They changed his name on it in order for him to protect himself. Because the information that he shares in there is stuff that you just don't find everywhere. And he was he's a retired judge. Another is the fruit called Fruit from a Poisonous Tree by Melvin Stamper. You can find that book. How much, you know, longer or you can find these things? I don't know. I'm just saying I I say it that way because once you start looking into things in these areas, you're going to find out that there are things that start disappearing. There are things that you if if you're going to find out on Google now, you're going to search things out. You're going to have to really search stuff out. Some stuff you're not going to find it in the form that you found it before. Because there are people right now who are taking information out of the airways because they don't want folks to know. That should tell us something right there. Why should you not know about your freedom? Who should structure things to keep you and I from understanding what our freedom is about? And if somebody's doing it, that should say something to you. Something's wrong with that. HisAdvocates.org, go there. 
There's a guy by the name of Kelby Smith. Go there, go there, go there, go there. Go to the YouTube channel he's got set up. Go there, check the stuff out. Go there. Now, we'll finish it today. What we're talking about right here, and I know this is a condensed version of it, but basically it's, it's, it's the bottom line, it's the big part of what it means when God told us in Revelation 18, and he told us in Jeremiah 51, to come out of Babylon. When he said, come out of her, my people, this is the big part of it that he's talking about. We come out morally when we separate ourselves from the moral uncleanness. Yeah. But there's a side of it where being under the control of satanically ruled governments and especially in America, because we have a, a way designed. It doesn't matter whether you're white, black, yellow, Chinese, what color you are, has nothing to do with it. And which is one of the reasons why on, on our land, we've got to realize that slavery today has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Yeah. It has to do with whose jurisdiction you're under. That's the major issue. And all this racial stuff and all that are distractions that are put out there to keep you from focusing on what the real deal is. There's stuff being stirred up on purpose to keep you and I our focus off of what the real issues are. So this is when God said, come out of her. And on America, we have a we have a way that we can come out of that global structure. Many people don't realize that in other lands, this is why all these wars are going on on all these different lands, all these different countries. It's not because we're going out and trying to protect people's freedom and democracy. Are you kidding me? It's so that a global structure can take people's stuff. That's why when you get men and women that are in the armed forces and they come back here and many of them have been involved in, in, in murdering and killing other people and they found out what they really were doing. That's why some of them are losing their minds. Because they found out what's really going on. And then they come back here and they are dishonored. Some of them go crazy. Because they realize they're killing to support somebody else. And it has nothing to do with enforcing freedom. Now, you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. Just start finding right things to listen to. And searching things out. This is a generation that is going to have to read. It's going to have to read and it's going to have to search things out. And it's a generation where we older people are going to have to find some stuff out and pass some things on to our children and our grandchildren. Because if you don't, there's going to be just a bunch of corporate slaves running around the whole earth. And we've got to teach our babies. We got to find out what we need to know and we got to teach our young people. Yep, we need to teach them how to live in holiness and walk as Christian people, but we also need to tell them how they need to walk on this land that God set up for everybody to be free. I hope we've had some understanding today. Amen. Amen.
Let's read these last two scriptures and we'll go home. Turn with me to Revelation 18 and Jeremiah 51. Hallelujah. Revelation 18, verses 1 through 4. And actually, when you look, we read the scripture, we go to Jeremiah 51. We'll see that Jeremiah actually prophesied what God's talking about here in Revelation. So interesting. Revelation 18 from verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. And then real quick, Jeremiah 51. Jeremiah 51, verses 8 and 9. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. Howl for her. Take balm for her pain, if so be she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she's not healed. Forsake her and let us go everyone into his own country for her judgment reaches unto heaven and is lifted up even to the skies. God says, go back to your own nation. Go back to your real nation. Get out of Babylon. And for us here, find America. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the Holy Spirit being our teacher and the one who will lead and guide us into all the truth. And we trust you to do that. And Lord, as we all take up our individual responsibility and accountability, as we do that, we have confidence that you will open our eyes and make everything plain to us and clear to us that we need to understand. And I'm asking you right now that in this place and anybody that hears your voice through mine right now, that, Lord God, that you would help us to understand what the kingdom of God is all about, this kingdom that we are a part of, and that you would give us the insight and the understanding that you meant for the church to have where the kingdom of God is concerned, that it's not just some place that's in heaven that we're going to go to when we get out of this earth, but that we as your people are called to establish that wherever we go on this earth as we're alive in it right now. So give us that understanding. I ask you for that. I believe you for that. And I believe that you bring the light to us that we have need of. And we give you the thanks and the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for your attention. I pray that it's been good for you today. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're the light of the world. Let's go shine. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. 
For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.